Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. By far for me, the hardest part of the last year was the part of social unrest and racial tension across America. Even in the last weeks, I've watched a copy of videotape from Minneapolis and St. Paul and am reminded how close that is to when the protest was on the corner of Snelling and University Avenues. I worked at the McDonald's at the corner there, walking behind the big Montgomery wards at one o'clock at night to get back to college at Concordia, and it was just hard to see it because our pizza joint was right there on the corner, Pizza, Pizza Papa. It was another thing where the peace happened between George Floyd and the police officer to think that my aunt and uncle, Ron and Edith Grote, lived in that neighborhood. Neighborhoods where family members, aunts, uncles, and cousins lived were so close, walking distance to some of the places that were shown on TV. And even in the last couple of weeks, I'm reminded that my wife's godparents, Bill and Isla Went, live and have grown up and lived in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota for 70, 75 years, back when it was a little Anglo suburb, and they watched the whole transition of Brooklyn Park. Fascinating to see. Painful for me to take into my heart the, the, the phrases that have been so often repeated. It's very difficult for me to believe that somehow I'm more the problem than the cure having to deal with some of those feelings over the course of a year has both been sobering and enlightening for me. Also knowing so many fine police officers in our congregation, knowing how painful life is for them and how difficult their lives have been, all of the strife and all of the issues, all of the problems painted with the brush of race, and how different races get along with one another in the big wide world. I'm reminded then that compounding effect of the COVID pandemic, what would have it been like in Los Angeles of the preachers who speak into a culture in a, in a whole different way than a, than a Lutheran minister does? What, what, what if they were able to open their churches and people were able to come inside? What would have that looked like if the churches had been opened instead of closed? How would have things gone? In the black community, the clergy are so influential, speaking into a different way into the societal fabric of of their membership and their people. What would it have been like if they would have had their churches open and they would have been able to speak the word, a word of peace in Jesus Christ? I've waited to speak on this. I've waited because I needed the Scripture to abut it. I'm a Lutheran pastor after all. I need to have the Word to stand on. I need to have the Scriptures to stand on. I'm not going to get up and preach my own politics or my own opinions, but from the Word of God. And so this morning we have the Word of God about an Ethiopian eunuch and a disciple named Philip. 
And you may want to just grab that bulletin and put it on your knee because it, the, the, the story of this is so compelling and so powerful when you think of where these two people came from. Philip must have been something else because as soon as the Spirit tapped him on the shoulder, he ran to the chariot, he ran, he ran to the road, he ran to the chariot to the Ethiopian eunuch who was more than likely an extremely moral man an extremely responsible man, an honorable man, looking for meaning to life. A part of his life had been literally cut off, the wife and family and children part. That was not going to happen for him. And he found some hope in monotheism and one God. He found some hope in Judaism that there was a, a covenant and, a, and an opportunity to, 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 to know God outside of what was his in Ethiopia. He was obviously someone who was very responsible because he had a responsible position dealing with all of what went on with the money and more than likely the economic policy for the queen of Ethiopia. But he was a convert. There was something still in his heart that was missing, especially as he stood up and did as people of the day stood up and, and, and read out loud. I would have loved to hear that. I would have loved to hear him holding forth in Scripture. But there was something missing for him. There was, there was something that just wasn't working. He needed someone to come alongside of him and help him kind of figure out what was going on to kind of fill in the rest of the Jesus piece for him. And make no mistake about it, he was a black man. From Abyssinia, from Ethiopia, he was a black man. And I want you to hold that in the back of your mind just for a moment as I speak about Philip, who was a disciple of Christ whom the Spirit tapped on the shoulder that day and said, you go down the road on the way to Jerusalem and I want you to check out this guy and, and you're going to go and get him. Philip was a Greek with a name coming from the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love. And Philip always in the Scripture being a close disciple of Jesus Christ and a, and a Christian now just for a couple of months, he was always bringing people to, to Jesus. He's not mentioned in the Gospels very much, but where he is, he's always bringing people into to Jesus saying, what about this and what about that and look at this and let's go. But make no mistake about it, as the Ethiopian eunuch was a black man, so too Philip was a different ethnicity. The beautiful portrait I found in no way symbolizes more than likely what the Apostle Philip looked like. He was not nearly that white. A Greek man. Two different men, both with profound responsibility, meeting on a road, sitting and mulling over the Scriptures. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Two men who had in common very little, but as they spoke and discussed, found commonality in the gospel and commonality in Jesus Christ. 
It, was, it, would, have, it would have been neat to, to hear him reading, as I said a moment ago. That's, that's what people did. You, you stood up and you, and you read out loud. That was kind of how people internalized and, and learned the message. So there's no question about to whom Philip was to go when he saw the Ethiopian with his entourage doing his thing and reading the Scripture. And they have a little interaction there. Hey, how's it going? Do you know what you're reading? Well, yeah, but could we talk it through? And so the Ethiopian asked that marvelous question. About whom is the author speaking? Himself or someone else? The key question that opens up the key conversation which leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Jesus. And all of a sudden in the, in the text, it's like it all kind of comes together. It all clicks. It all opens up. And you can almost see the eyes of the Ethiopian going, I get it. I'm down. I understand. Here it is. He's, he's, he's shown me Jesus. He's shown me what all the unrest and all the weirdness in Jerusalem has been all about. He's shown me the rest of the story of God and the fulfillment of the covenant in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so they go down the road together, which is just a, a, marvelous, a, a marvelous visual. They're going down this road together, and then all of a sudden the Ethiopian looks out and says, here's some water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? At which Philip answers, nothing. And so the two men go into the water together and the Ethiopian is baptized. And then Philip disappears on his way to Azotus, to a different spot. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, two men who started the day with not much commonality, but ended the day being brothers in Jesus Christ. Because this is what the gospel does. This is what the gospel does. Make no mistake, this is the power of the gospel, the power of the good news. The power of the good news rooted in the reality of how we look and view one another. The reality that the focus of our lives is not necessarily on country of origin or color of skin, but on the marvelous love of God for us in Jesus Christ. The commonality in this text is the commonality of Jesus and that's a commonality that we share today. The voice of the church is the voice of the Lord. And the voice and the breath of the Lord is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that brings forgiveness that we celebrated this morning. That releases us from the sins of the past. And gives us impetus and forward motion into the future. To not be afraid and not be pensive and not be uptight. But to boldly speak the message of commonality in Christ. This is what the gospel does. It brings people in proximity to one another. Who may have very little in common. But in Christ. Our family. Amazing to think about that. A subtle part of the story is the differences in the race between Philip and the Ethiopian. 
because the power of the story is the power of the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ and His message bringing these gentlemen together. That's what the gospel does. And that's why it might be more powerful than ever in my 30 years of ministry that we proclaim Jesus Christ in Him very, very clearly from pulpits and platforms and balconies and homes and hearts and workplaces. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loves people for Jesus' sake. And in Jesus, we have more in common than would ever divide us. That's what the gospel does. I began my remarks this morning speaking a little bit about how, 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 how difficult some of the, the societal upheaval has been to think about and it's really been, if you have a, a bell curve, it, it, it's the 2% here and the 2% there that have made it very, very difficult. One of the most difficult things that we've had to wrestle with as a congregation is, is masks. There are 2% of people that will wear their masks until the day they die. And that's just the way it is. And there are 2% of the people that would rather die than wear a mask. And yet this marvelous piece of commonality in Jesus Christ. Divisive voices bring pain and suffering to our society. But the gospel brings peace and unity and hope and grace to the hearts of God's people. That did not go unnoticed by Dr. Martin Luther King on February 10th of 1957, he penned these words speaking to segregation in the South. All men created alike in the image of God are inseparably bound together. This is at the very heart of the Christian gospel. This is clearly expressed in Paul's declaration on Mars Hill. God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, made from one every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth. Again, it is expressed in the affirmation, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. The climax of this universality is expressed in the fact that Christ died for all mankind. The climax of this is the universality, of this universality is expressed in the fact that Christ died for all mankind. And as the church acknowledges and lives that out, the church becomes the instrument of peace and progress in the best sense. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It gives us a way to look at one another as created in the image of God not black or white or, but we look at one another as created in the image of God, with the fingerprints of God all over each one of us. And that gives us a marvelous commonality, and it gives us a marvelous foundation uh, uh, upon which to look at self. 
and to look at ourselves as created in the image of God and as redeemed of Jesus Christ. So we look at one another both as born once in the image of God and born again in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, standing in line with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and all who have been baptized into Christ. And as we view people with the commonality of grace, there's a unifying presence in our society. And the gospel gives one thing that we are missing in America right now, and that's a sense of meaning and purpose to life. The meaning of life is not found in cheering for the Green Bay Packers. The meaning of life is not found in wearing an Angels Mike Trout jersey. The meaning of life is not found in your work, your recreation, all of the things we do that add value and are fun. It's not found in exercise. It's not found in personal fulfillment. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ provides meaning and purpose to life. And as we live in this land right now, there is a crisis of meaning. And it seems like our whole nation, our whole culture is out saying, look at this, look at that, I got this, I got that, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, and it's devoid of meaning. But the gospel provides meaning and purpose to life. That's why you're here. That's why you wear a mask when you don't want to. And it's why you'll take that mask off occasionally to love and care for someone else. Because Christians who have meaning in their life are willing to sacrifice for others because that's part of why we exist. And the power of gospel is unifying, not dividing. We don't have people sit on one side or the other, although we have sequestered those in maroon robes into the balcony. When people come into church, they come in together. When people fellowship, they fellowship together. We don't have life groups that just include ethnic people and life groups for black people together. The gospel is unifying, not dividing. It's us together. I want to introduce you to a fine young man. This is the legacy of the Ethiopian eunuch. This is a a, a young man named Olaf Jaira. Olaf is studying to be a pastor at the Fort Wayne Seminary. This is a Christmas before his first winter. You can imagine that winters in Ethiopia are a little bit different than winters in Indiana. Olaf is the bright shining star from the Makane Yesu Ethiopian Lutheran Church. Do you realize that there's almost twice as many Lutherans in Ethiopia than there are in America? There's over 10 million, over 10 million Lutherans in Ethiopia. And the Makani Yesu Church is one of the fastest growing churches and the fastest growing Lutheran church in the world. Again, did I mention that there are over 10 million Lutherans in the Makani Yesu Church? Olaf is a bright, shining star. Olaf speaks three languages fluently. Olaf understands culture both in Ethiopia and in the rural Midwest. He has a family and friends and loved ones. He's got a beautiful smile that engages, and Olaf loves Jesus. 
Olive's ready to go back to Ethiopia and be a leader into, into this ministry and to be someone who has the educational background, the theological background, the linguistic background to teach Ethiopian pastors the love of Jesus, the Word of God, and the theology that will springboard the message of the gospel into Ethiopia. Our congregation, because your pastor talks so much, has volunteered to help subsidize Olaf's education. And we're going to figure that out in the days and weeks ahead. One of the things I think about often is how the Ethiopian eunuch looked. What was his complexion? What was his hair? What were the robes? What were the horses? What was, I mean, it must have been like a presidential entourage. The man was incredibly powerful. And I see that same smile on Olaf. And I wonder if when Olaf and the Ethiopian eunuch get to heaven, if they look and Olaf puts his arm around the Ethiopian eunuch and says, Thank you. Thank you that you read the Scripture. Thank you that you spoke with Philip. Thank you for the legacy that you left in our country and for the millions and millions and millions of people that know Jesus because one day reading Scripture out loud, two men with very little in common found commonality in grace in the love of Jesus Christ. Would you join me for prayer? God and Father of all, in your love you made all the nations of the world to be a family, and your Son taught us to love one another. Yet our world is riven apart with prejudice, arrogance, and pride. Help the different races to love and understand one another better. Increase among us sympathy tolerance, and goodwill, that we may learn to appreciate the gifts that other races bring to us and to see in all people our brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. Save us from jealousy, hatred, and fear, and help us to live together as members of one family at home in the world, sons and daughters of one Father who live in the liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.